0: Hey, uh, good to see you guys. Today we'll continue on in our series in Genesis, Genesis chapter 13, uh, starting verse 1 today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. 1 to 13, Genesis 13, verses 1 to 13. It's good to see you guys here today. You guys, doing all right? Everybody doing okay? My my eyes are kind of bothering me. Excuse me, I need to do something here. This is much better. This is a lot better than that ugly sea of red I see out there. So, you know, uh, if you're new here, my name is Pastor Jeff, and uh, been here for a couple of years now and some of you have noticed that I haven't been wearing ties until the last few weeks. Last week I wore a red one and today I wear gold and, and you all have, some of you have said that this is because I'm rooting for another team today than the Chiefs. I, I just, I think that's kind of petty and I would never do that <laughs> and uh, you know uh, some of you were Telling me today that this they thought this jacket was purple and not to be petty or anything but let's just be serious here you know and uh, I, I knew what they were trying to do get underneath my skin and I wasn't going to allow that to happen but I went back to my office and in my jacket here I can't take these let me take these off for a second I can see better I looked into my pocket and you know there was a tag and on the color it says burgundy you know and again not to be petty or anything but I just wanted those people to to get ready for a loss you know they you know I just wanted them to experience loss today and I know it's going to happen later on and just to kind of prepare them again not to be petty uh, but last night my son my youngest son told me that he was going to wear a chief's jersey to church today and listen I you don't have a you don't have a script. You guys just need to listen today, okay? I mean, so don't don't clap, don't talk, don't. So I said, "Listen, if I don't want if the Niners are winning tomorrow night, I don't want you putting on a Niners shirt." He goes, "Well, if the Chiefs win tomorrow, you got to be a 49 I mean, be a Chiefs fan." And I said, "Not a deal at all." He goes, "Yes, deal, deal." I said, "No deal. I'm not sure how I got outsmarted by a 5-year-old, but I I got a deal for you. If if the deniers win tonight, I'll I'll be nice next Sunday, okay? But if the Chiefs win tonight, then I think I should get two weeks off, you know what I mean? So, (laughs) because some of you can refrain from being petty, but a lot of you can't, okay? And I'm not gonna point fingers or look at anybody in particular, but. Speaking of maturity, I read an article this week by a a psychologist and she gave a a list of characteristics of emotionally mature people and one of the things that stood out to me from that list was just that mature people know when other people are acting immature. She said that when when mature people see that other people are being immature for reasons they really shouldn't be acting immaturely. I was talking to a good friend of mine here just a few weeks ago, and he said his, his church had a, a business meeting. He goes, he goes you know, I, I, I left that meeting thinking there are going to be some people who are going to wake up tomorrow morning and realize they need to make a phone call and say I'm sorry. You ever act immaturely? You ever say something you shouldn't have said or do something? Do you look back and think, man, that was really just foolish of me to do. In our passage of Scripture today, I think we see the the maturity of Abraham. We see a man who has seen others act immaturely, and yet we see a man who has not only learned from his own mistakes, but today he is learning and responding with honor, with character, with maturity. Let's look at verse 1. So Abraham went from Egypt. He and his wife and all that they had and Lot with them in Enigma. If we look back at the end of chapter two, of chapter 12, Abraham fled to Egypt because there was a, a famine in the land. And he, he took Lot and everybody they, they had, they took them all down to, to Egypt. And, and we remember if he lied about his relationship to Sarah. Uh, he called her his sister. Why did he do that? He was afraid, right, that they would, they would see the, her beauty and... Kill him for her. Uh, but that didn't happen. What actually happened is because of her, he accumulated sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, men and women servants, and camels. And the Pharaoh and his household, what did they get? They got sick, right? God judged them and said, Listen, you know, this can't do this. And Pharaoh realized what was going on. And what did he do to Abraham? He kicked him and all of his stuff and all of his people out of the country. I mean, this is the Department of Homeland Security at its finest. They, I mean, they escorted him out of the country. I, I've never been deported, but, I mean, this looks like deportation 101 here, right? Abraham benefited from this, though. Don't believe me. Look at verse 2. Abraham was, Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. And he, he journeyed on from Nigba as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and I, to the place where they had made an altar at first. And there Abraham called upon the name of the Lord. Abraham was wealthy in silver, livestock, gold. And during this era, there was multiple ways that you could establish wealth, precious metals, jewels clothing, food, grain, livestock. Abraham had the livestock. He had the the metals, the jewels maybe, and was rich in it, the Bible says. He was very rich. Part of that came from Egypt, friends, and we don't know exactly how much he had prior to, but the reality is is that there was a famine, so we we, we don't know exactly what he took with him to Egypt, but I mean, you don't leave a country if you have everything that you need, right? You leave because you are without. So most of probably what he had at this time, he had received from the Pharaoh. But he came back to the altar that he had first built. And remember in chapter 12, verse 8, he had built an altar to the Lord at the yoke of Moriah. He called upon the name of the Lord and... Notice that Abraham's wealth didn't take away from his devotion to God. We've all seen this story before, though, right? Uh, when, a, when a man becomes wealthy, he kind of turns away from his faith. And there are, it's either we, we know the story well because oftentimes it's just the opposite happens. When a man is down and out, he's in jail, he's in prison, he's, he's lost everything that he has. He's in a moment of despair. What does he do? He turns to God. And the opposite happens when he gets everything that he wants what does he do he turns away from the lord here Abraham has everything that he needs he's wealthy he's rich he's he's in the land that god had promised to him and yet still devoted Abraham did not allow his financial security to to dictate his faithfulness to god you know what we call that spiritual maturity the spiritual immature they allow for both the the positive and the negatives of this life to sway their obedience to god if they they don't get what they want then they they revert back to who they used to be or maybe they go to an old vice or they they allow for an old addiction to pop up and if something good happens they say they get a promotion at work they what do they do they instead of giving honor to God, to take all the credit. They look, I, I, I'm here because of me. I got this because of all my hard work, all my dedication. It's because of... <laughs> Abraham recognized that the reason that he was in the position that he was in was because of God. He came back to this place with all of his wealth, with all of his silver, all of his gold, all of his livestock. And what did he do? He worshiped God. Abraham comes back to the altar, gives, the, gives God the glory. Friends, in the good times and the bad, don't allow for your circumstances to dictate your devotion to the Lord. Don't allow for the good times, the bad times. Allow for yourself to be faithful and true, no matter the circumstance, no matter the condition, Allow for yourself to be faithful. And it takes discipline in order to do that. It takes a habit of saying, no matter the condition, no matter the circumstances, I'm going to remain faithful. Remember the story of Esther? Esther, a young Jewish lady, is is chosen to be a Persian queen. And one of the king's advisors develops a plan to have all the Jews murdered. And here she is and all the protection that she could have, all the the wealth that she could have. And Mordecai, a Jewish relative of Esther and a leader in Israel, goes to Esther and he says to her, pleads with her to do something. To use her position to stop this from happening. what does he say in Esther 4 14? Perhaps you were born for such a time as what? This right here. And friends, God has allowed you to be in a position that you're in for maybe such a time as this. Not to walk away from your faith, but to grow closer to the Lord, to be used for the glory of God. And Abraham recognized that he was in this place for a purpose for a reason that God had a purpose for his life, that God had called him to leave his family, his friends, his home, the false gods that he worshipped before for such a time as this. Verse 5. Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, and so that the land could not support both of them, dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together and there was strife between the herdsmen of abraham and livestock and, and herdsmen of lots livestock and at the time the canaanites and the perzites were dwelling in the land uh at our, our last house i've shared with you before we had some some cows and we only had a few cows and, we, and i really wanted more you know i think that's every everybody they want more you know and but the reality is is our land was limited the pasture had good grass, but it was just limited in space, and we just couldn't, you know. Maybe, maybe this, maybe one year we could. If, you know, if it had a lot of, a lot of rain, not too hot. But what if it? What if it was a hot June, a hot July, a hot August? What if there was no rain? Then what do you have to do? You have to supplement. Those cows feed from grass to what? Hay. And you have to go out and you have to buy hay. And that cuts into your what? Your profit. And this is, I mean, if you talk to any farmer, that's, that's what they do. Not that I'm a farmer or was a farmer, but you, just, you understand like, hey, you've only got so much land and so much possibility. And this is what was happening here. I mean, you think about where these guys were at. There was a famine in the land not too long ago. They have all this cattle, sheep. I mean, like, they have livestock that's there. And the water was limited, the grass was limited. And what happens? There started to become strife between the herdsmen of Abraham. And they're herdsmen of Lot's livestock. You ever get in an argument and you notice that the other person is getting chippy over things that they really shouldn't be getting annoyed with? I mean, they're just kind of making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, whose story is this? I mean, this is Abraham. It's God's story, but God called Abraham, right? And, and I mean, Abraham was gracious enough to bring at Lot along lot's father was abraham's brother he died and you know the text doesn't say this but we can just assume that abraham had a close relationship with this young man and that he was he wanted to see him do well he brought him along because he loved him and he cared for him and he he treated him like what the son he never had but here lot is what He's biting the hand that feeds him. I mean, the reason why Lot got all this livestock was because of who? Abram. Not because he's earned it, but because of what? Because of Abraham. I mean, you remember the the Abrahamic covenant? Your family will be blessed because of what? Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean... A lack of self-awareness by Lot. And if and if you're Lot, all you got to do is tell your herdsmen, hey, listen, when they speak, you listen. You do what they tell you to do. And instead, what they have here is inward fighting and bickering. A lack of immaturity. A lack of maturity. Kent Hughes, one of the commentators that I read this week, said that Lot's wealth was largely dependent upon Abraham, largely dependent. It wasn't from anything that he had done himself, but because of what Abraham had done. Abraham sees the immaturity in his nephew, and he responds with maturity, grace, honor. Listen to what he says to Lot. Let there be no strife between you and me, in between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. It's not the whole it's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me and I will take the left hand and I will go to the right. So if you take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Proverbs fifteen, eighteen says, A hot tempered man stirs up conflict, but a, a slow to anger man, a man that is slow to anger, Calm strife. I mean, Abraham could have easily added fuel to the fire here, but instead he brings the calm to the storm. The word kinsman here is probably better translated as brother. The NASB, New American Standard Bible, translated it as brother. It's probably the better translation. Some others do as well. Mine says kinsman. Yours probably, maybe does as well. Uh, but Abram is calling him a brother. And they're not brothers, right? But he's treating them that way, as an equal. And he's elevating him. And he's saying, listen, why don't you just, why don't you just pick, look around here. Instead of kicking him out, he's giving him a choice of the, of the land. Say, hey, listen, you want to go left? I'll go right. You want to go north? I'll go south, east, west. I mean, wherever you want to go, you can go. He didn't want to, he didn't want to argue over a small thing that would ruin their relationship, but he also knew it was time for them to part ways. I think it's important to also to, just to note that the Canaanites are still in this land. You know, so here he's saying you could choose whatever land you want, but in reality, what you got to choose what that's not somebody else is already on. Uh, friends, I think Abraham knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was in control, and that no matter what Lot chose, that he was going to be just fine. And he, I think he also knew just the immaturity of his nephew Lot and that he was going to make a, a poor choice. But the fact of the matter is that he needed, they needed to separate, there was a, a path where they could not go any further and a decision needed to be made. Think about this. Look at what happens here. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the Jordan Valley was well watered Everywhere like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor, this is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley. And Lot journeyed east, and thus they separated from each other. And Abram did what? He settled in the land of Canaan. While Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. We see, I think, here, if we look closely, the immaturity of Lot. He saw water. He saw the valley. Maybe the green grass. And that's where I want to go. There's no saying that goes like this. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. And we, we, we know the story of Lot, right? We don't need of Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't need, I don't need to tell you that this was a poor choice on his part. But the Bible tells us that these, the people that were there were great sinners. They were evil men. And yet here Lot is in his immaturity choosing, instead of going with Abram and making peace in this situation, is choosing his own way in a land that is full of sin. What did Abraham do? Where did he go? He settled in the land of Canaan. (laughs) I mean, where where has he been all along? In the land of Canaan. (laughs) He didn't go anywhere. I mean, he stayed right there. He's like, hey, if you're going to go here, I kind of like it here. I think I might just stay right here. You know? That's maturity. (laughs) That's wisdom. I'll just choose to be right where God wants me to be. We see at the end of this chapter, verse 14, the Lord said to Abraham, after lot had separated from him, lift your eyes and look for the place where you are northward southward eastward and westward for all the land that you see i will give to you and your offspring forever and i will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth your offspring also can be counted i mean here god is just confirming his relationship with abraham the covenant that he had made with him in chapter 12 that all nations will be blessed through you. The wisdom and maturity of Abraham allowed this to happen. We see in this chapter that he would go and he would go down to Hebron after this and he would go and he would do what? He would build an altar there and he would stay there and he would worship God. And Hebrew. I, uh, I shared this last week, but over and over again we see Abraham building altars to the Lord. His devotion, his faithfulness, and today we see his maturity is always on display. Maybe not always, but when he makes a mistake, maybe like he did in Egypt, we see him return to faithfulness, to maturity, and learning from his mistakes. This, uh, I was watching J.J. Reddick. He was telling a story. Uh, J.J. Reddick was a former NBA basketball player. He played his college ball at Duke University under Coach K. He said when he was a sophomore, they went to the Final Four. And he was all SEC team and they were, or ACC team and, um, you know, leading scorer on his basketball team, uh, you know, just a phenomenal uh, basketball player and, um he said, he goes, but the reality is, he goes, we lost there in the Final Four, and it uh, was my sophomore year, he goes, I, I was overweight, I, uh, I was a frat boy, he goes, I was out in the town and doing things that I really shouldn't have been doing. And he goes, after the season was over, Coach K would bring me in on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we would go over tape and things about nature and talk, and he said, on one of those spring meetings at 8 o'clock in the morning, he said, Coach K told me this, he goes, we didn't win a national championship last year because you weren't worthy of winning a national champion. So he goes, it cut me deep. You could, As he was even sharing the story, you could tell just the emotion behind that. And he goes, the reason it cut me was because I, kn- I knew that he was right, and that I had been not giving everything that I had to the game that I loved. He said, from that point forward, he goes, I wanted to make sure that no one could ever say that about me ever again. That no one could say that I didn't give everything that I had to this game. And I think about just that story, and I just think about, like, there are times in our life, if we're just honest, we look back at our life and periods, and maybe even this week, where we're not giving everything that we have to the Lord. We're not growing, we're not maturing, we're not moving forward in our faith. I really do believe, friends, that we're either moving forward in our faith or backward. There's no neutral position that we move either closer to the Lord or away from the Lord. And I believe that that darkness, sin, leads to more sin. If you need an example, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. Darkness leads to more darkness. Sin leads to more sin, and righteousness leads to more righteousness. Hebrews five twelve. It tells us, you know. Some of you should be eating meat, but what? You're drinking milk. And the reason you're not eating meat is because you're not growing. And there have been times in my life, even as a pastor and as a, as, a, as a follower of Jesus, I've had to look back and recognize that in my own life. That there have been, the reason I'm not further along in my faith, the reason the church isn't growing, it isn't on, on you or you or you, it's on me. It's my responsibility. I, I can't blame you for my own mistakes, friends. It's my fault. And sometimes we as as people, as disciples of Jesus Christ, have to look inwardly at our life and recognize that we are playing in the mud. When the crowns of righteousness are before us and the the glory of God is before us, we're choosing mud, sin, darkness, instead of light, glory, and goodness. And we have to make a choice, a decision, say, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to live in that light, in that darkness, rather, but I'm going to choose light. And friends, you know, today at the end of our service, we're going to introduce you to five people from our church that that I believe are, are making a decision to grow in their faith, to take a step of faith. And I, maybe... Maybe you'd like to join them. Maybe in our time of invitation, you allow for the Lord to speak to you, to penetrate your heart, to to pierce your heart, and to, to reveal why it is in your own life that you're not growing, that you're not maturing, that you're allowing for pettiness, sinfulness to keep you from being the person that God desires you to be. Friends, I I can't make the decisions for you and I I can't allow uh, I can't tell Satan to stop bothering you. I wish I had the power to, to end sin in my own life. I can't, I can't do it for you. But let me tell you that, that Jesus Christ is the answer to our sin problem. Amen. And, and friends, we're all sinners. We've all come up short. We've all struggled and, and failed. And, and there are days where we we're embarrassed with our decisions, and at the same time, Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you, and in spite of your sin, in spite of your shortcomings, in spite of your failures, He still loves you. And He, God would like if, if He could do it all over again, He would still send His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. There's nothing that you can do that, can, that would take away the love of God. But friends, like, that doesn't give us an excuse to continue living in sin. It doesn't give you an excuse to continue to live in darkness and allow for darkness to overcome your life. We have to make a, a, a conscious decision to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to not allow sin in. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? darkness, I mean, it's knocking at, sin is knocking at your door. It's not, just don't let it in. Overcome it. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. I pray, Lord, that we would look at this story of Abraham and Lot and recognize, Lord, That you are calling us to be men and women who are growing and maturing in our faith and are not allowing for greed or materialism or anything in this life to distract us from being the person that you've called us to be. But rather to to see your goodness and glory and righteousness, your love for us. Father, I pray that you would allow for us to to get a glimpse of what it is you're Who it is you're calling us to be, what it is you're calling us to do. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day. They admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. For the believer that's here that may be struggling or going through hardship, I, I pray that today would be a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord Jesus we love you and pray all these things in your name and all God's people said